is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Michael Rubinoff, we continue the conversation on staying even keeled, uh, good energy, favorite failures, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Michael Rubinoff. One of the things I admire about you is your energy is so even keeled. I mean, naturally, we haven't been in the trenches on anything, (laughs) but I gather that you stay even keeled through all, you know, weather patterns. I do. I really do because it doesn't help otherwise. And I think part of that is again, being a realist. If we know, if we know, you know, it's anticipating what the troubles are before we hit them. It's knowing you're, we're running out of time. It's knowing, you know, we're not seeing. And, you know, if I, I, I when you're a producer or when you're a leader, I mean, if I start losing it, it, it's not going to make anybody feel better. It's just going to make everybody more nervous. Now, sometimes it's it's a bit of an act where, you know, I'm human. I know we're in a lot of trouble. It's really, really, really bad. But I'm going to put on the brave face, fix the problem, not put on a brave face and ignore the problem, but put on a brave face and fix the problem and try to foster, especially in theater, do your job, like, like do what you're best at. Let me support what you're best at. And let me worry about all the other things that you don't need to worry about because you they're completely out of your control. And, you know, I, I find as theater practitioners, I, and it's probably no different in the US, but in Canada, we wear 15 different hats. We're the playwright, we're the director, we're, you know, we're, we're the stage manager, we're the marketer, you know, we're, you know, many times I've taken home the laundry and done the laundry. Like, you know, you're doing all these different things. I, I've tried to get to a point where I can be a producer and say to a writer, I just need you to write, or I just need you to solve this story problem or this issue that we're having here, or, you know, just making sure the director can focus on the direction or the set designer can focus on set. And then, I could try and worry about all the other things that that are just not in their control. Hmm. Is there a particular project that has taught you a significant amount about yourself or the most? (laughs) Oh, I I think they all do. You know, it's interesting. I think the stuff I was doing very early on was probably the most instructive because when I started producing, you have the successes and failures. And quite frankly, I look back on that. You, you talk about, you know, um, worried about the nose. Like I look back 20 years ago and I think, I can't believe the things I, like the boldness, right? Like just the boldness of like, not like kind of when you're a five-year-old, right? Like all those things that you're really bold about. And I felt that in my early twenties where you just sort of had this unbridled passion and determination and just went for it. And, you know, some of that was smart and some of that was not so smart. So I think in those early days, um, I learned a lot. There there were so many ups and downs, you know, when people don't realize, you know, it's funny because it was, you know, in Toronto, I think it was 2003, we got hit with SARS, you know, that, and that took, you know, I was producing that summer that SARS hit. It was the summer following where tourism didn't come back. Also the effects of 9-11, Americans had to have passports. So we saw tourism decline. And it was sort of in that 2004, 2005, things were very, very difficult. And and those were the periods where I thought, I think I need to go back to being a lawyer full time. And this theater thing isn't going to work out. Um, But I kept getting drawn back in with people calling from New York, another place to say, hey, will you do the Canadian premiere of this? Or will you take this show on? And I I just couldn't get it out of my system. (laughs) Um, Come from away. 
Yes. I'm curious the very first moment where you were, what you thought when you decided, ah, this could maybe be a musical. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, as we know, this was an, you know, 9-11 happened to our American friends. This was, this was something that was an, an attack on the United States. I mean, Canada, you know, Toronto, you know, we're an hour from hour and a half from the border. Yeah. We were consumed by American media. We get, you know, the networks um, and everything on our basic cable. So when the event happened that day, um, you know, it was devastating. And as much in terms of what happens on the world, there's a Canadian connection. There's a Canadian story. What is the Canadian connection? What's the Canadian story? And we knew early on up here that the US airspace was closed and that planes were being diverted to Canada. Now that caused a lot of rumors at the time. I remember it was my second day of my, my law articles and there were these rumors that planes were gonna hit the CN Tower um, and that they were coming into Canada, which was just a total confusion around this idea that all the planes were being grounded in Canada. So in the days following, it wasn't immediate, but the stories out of Newfoundland were, were really compelling that here was, you know, this massive airport uh, on the eastern tip of uh, North America, and that they had taken in all these planes. I couldn't get those stories out of my mind. I, it just, one of the things that Americans need to understand about Canadians, we're not like we're not outwardly patriotic like Americans. I think if there's that gold medal hockey game or a Stanley Cup game with a Canadian team or an NBA championship with the Raptors, then you'll see this incredible Canadian patriotism and pride. But we're, we're, we're pretty quiet otherwise. When I saw what was happening in Gander and the surrounding towns, it, it made me really proud to be a Canadian. Here was the best of humanity at, at such an awful time, helping each other, clothing, feeding, taking everybody in. The other thing I knew about Newfoundland was music is part of their DNA. Like I, I've just like bands like Great Big C, like we've grown up with this music, it's amazing. And I began to believe that Again, that compelling idea and that compelling reason to musicalize it, because that's how they tell stories. They have these kitchen parties. Everyone gets gets around a table and just plays instruments and sings songs that this could be something, you know, uh, this could be compelling. Others might find it uh, as compelling as I did. Hmm. And was this a... I'm curious. Okay, so in terms of you believing this, believing in this project... And I'm assuming coming up against no's, I don't know's, maybe later's. What what was what was that self determination or self talk through the self doubt to well, stay with it? Well, first of all, it was just it was a terrible idea for many years. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I pitched this idea. I pitched it to a number of writers. Everyone thought it was a terrible idea. It was a tasteless idea. I, I don't think people truly understood you know, the foundation of this story. And it wasn't until later, you know, um, when it was getting closer to Broadway that it really crystallized that this really was a 9-12 story, mm. okay? It wasn't a 9-11 story. It was really, and, and that happened, that outpouring, you know, it happened in New York, it happened all over. People looked each other in the eye, people hugged each other, people asked if people were okay. So so it, 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 took, it took a long time to, to, for people to understand, but what kept me going as I, it's funny when you asked me, what are the things I learned is I was having these success and failures of those early shows in 2004 and 2005 and 2006, I would put on Great Big C and I would listen to this, this Newfoundland music and think about this story. And, 
and it still didn't leave me. On the anniversary of 9-11, um, Gander was highlighted. Traditionally, the U.S. ambassador to Canada quite often would go to Gander to commemorate 9-11. Uh, so it, it just continued. There wasn't a moment, and there hasn't been a moment since, where when I think about this story or I watch the show, that I'm not grabbed emotionally by it. And I just kept going. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, because looking back on it, it's, you know, 2020 vision and you're like, well, yes, of course. But it's it's always it's always so interesting to um, reflect back on it. How do you view achievement versus fulfillment? Achievement versus fulfillment. You know, it's you know, it's you know, it's interesting. You have to decide what achievement is for you. And that and yeah. for me that has changed. Like, like that idea has changed significantly. You know, I spent 10 years um, parallel to my producing career in education at Sheridan College as first as an associate dean. And then, you know, I had founded this incubator, the Canadian Music Theatre Project. So spending a lot of time with young people that in the musical theatre that were um, desiring to, to be, you know, actors in the industry, that was a really beautiful thing to watch because achievement um, was different for all of them. And when they're, when they're young, it's very hard for them to see what that is. But, you know, as somebody that's a bit of an outsider, um, watching their performances from their first year to their fourth year, you saw these incredible breakthroughs. You saw them, you know, uh, emerging as these incredibly talented, empathetic, um, wonderful um, performers. So, you know, fulfillment... I, I, when I start the fulfillment, I think it's what you need to do to live potentially to get you from day to day. Yeah. Um, but achievement, I think, is the hard work and it's a it's a recognition of the hard work um, and it being received well. As far as your the educational aspect of your life is concerned and teaching next generation of, you know, storytellers, the next generation, are there any particular lessons or changes that you see needing to happen? Are there any areas of focus when you're, you know, teaching? Definitely. I mean, I think we're in a we're in a really interesting time and and you know we were starting to see that when i started there that how do you how do you have a more equitable and inclusive um environment in education i mean education was modeling the industry and we know well um all of the problems that are in the industry we had an opportunity to include more women uh, as directors and as writers, as creators, we needed to do a better job with including other communities, BIPOC communities, the indigenous communities, which are a very important part uh, of, of Canada. Um, and, you know, it was the desire of young people who are leading us and doing some really great things and their hunger and desire for change. And the institutions at times being slow to respond to that change. Yeah. So, so even though even though there definitely was an awareness of it, there was definitely a lot of programs and things happening. I mean, that was the great thing about the Canadian Music Theatre Project, that we were creating new musicals. We were creating new musicals. We did about 30 musicals that were about all different things, whether it was, you know, in Indigenous communities or the LGBTQ plus community, um, about, about um, women. We were creating these new stories that were, were, were different from potentially what we had seen traditionally um, in the canon. But... 
there was just that desire and a thirst to do it even faster. And I think that's the the challenge that continues to this day. Do you have any most gifted books or favorite books, either on life or theater or anything? Yeah, I, I think I think uh, Joe Papp's uh, The Free For All uh, about Joe Papp and Joe Papp's life in the public theater, which is done through interviews um, with people he worked with. I think that is just incredible. I think that takes a, a block of history that was so important to the theater and a philosophical look that I think is still important today, whether um, it be you know both the work they do on, on their main stage, but the accessibility of performing in communities that, that couldn't have access to theater or performing outdoors where you know it's the ticket lotteries I think there is so much to learn from that 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 we still haven't fulfilled but I think the example that Joe Papp set in his his not only his his building of theater but his building of community and city and place um, that book truly inspired me metaphorically speaking if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see does anything come to mind Kindness is always better. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And I, I just want to make the point being caught up in come from a way where kindness is the bedrock of um, the entire ethos of the show. It's been a really wonderful place to be. I mean, I get to go to Gander a lot, as you can imagine. So to just to, to soak up the kindness from those people and just see the way they treat everybody and and the role that they're now they played in taking Syrian refugees and recently refugees from Ukraine I mean you you just see this um you know it's not perfect I want to say it's not perfect you know in, in Newfoundland and Labrador like any community but there is something um that's in that DNA to help to be kind I think that's part of the harsh climate and the history of a community needing to pull together to take care of each other because of geographic and weather but I've just seen so many acts of kindness and grateful to everyone on Come From Away, our, our lead producers and everyone that's come in contact with it because, you know, it's it's not only do you need really talented people, but there's been something in all the international productions where it's really kind people. There are really good people that make up that community. So it's a really beautiful thing to be a part of. This conversation has been so fantastic. And before we completely end here, I, I do have to give a shout out to Grow. I've been hearing great things yes. about it. I'm excited to see what the future of that musical is. Um, congratulations. Stay tuned. We're, yeah, we're very excited about Grow, a book by Matt Murray, music by Colleen Dauncey, and lyrics by Kiva Romer Siegel. Another great musical coming out of Canada about, you know, family and sisterhood and kindness and, uh, and uh, cannabis. Um, so stay tuned. Stay tuned for that because we hope to have a, a U.S. premiere uh, in uh, in the short term. So stay tuned. This conversation has been fantastic. Thank you for joining me today. No, my pleasure. It was fun. People Thanks. of the world, Michael Rubinoff. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.